right, we are taking a break from our study in the Gospel of Mark uh, while we're in Advent, and so I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and this will be the first in a series of messages we're going to do on the coming of the King as we look forward to this anniversary of Christ's first coming as we anticipate uh, his second and, and final coming to, uh, to make the world the way it's supposed to be. And so this morning we're going to talk about Jesus as the King of blessing and, and we'll, we'll follow up with uh, the King of peace and the King of justice and the shepherd king. And, and then after Christmas on uh, December 29th, we're just going to have one service together at 10 a.m. and we'll uh, look forward to hearing about the coming of the King. So um, we're going to just have you continue to stay seated. That's fine. And I'm going to read God's Word. Uh, this is Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let me pray for us. Lord, we give you thanks for your word which is intended to bless us. It's given to us in love. It's given to us out of your faithful and true heart. And so please give us ears and hearts that are attentive to it, that would be blessed because of what you communicate. All right, uh, so what we're going to do is, is talk about Abram for starters, but then we're going to use... Uh, this calling that God sends to Abram, and then we're going to compare that with the calling that was on Christ's life, and then finally wrap up with the calling that is on each of our lives. If you are here following Christ, if you are a Christian, uh, you'll obviously see the, the thread, and, and it's an invitation to all of us to to hear that calling anew, uh, perhaps if you're here and uh, the church is new to you, the Bible is new to you, Jesus is new to you, uh, I, I pray that you'll hear Christ's calling, God's calling to you to follow Jesus and to, to, to receive the blessing uh, that the King of blessing extends to all who are in him. So let's start with Abram. Uh, you know him more, more familiarly as Abraham, but this is before God changed his name. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But, but let, me, let me tell you the context of Genesis 12. Uh, we're jumping right in, and, and, and I want you to know what came before. Um, Genesis 1 through 11 functions basically like a prologue to the Bible. Uh, and in it, you hear about God's creation of everything that exists and and how he creates human beings and, you know, male and female, Adam and Eve. And he enters into covenant with them. He's going to be their God. They're going to be his people. And he wants them to be fruitful, fill the earth, 
you know, scatter, subdue it, and, and be his image bearers, reflect his, his lordship, uh, his authority, his dominion uh, as they spread over the earth. And then just basically the next, you know, chapters 3 through 11 are how uh, his agents fail <laughs> repeatedly. Uh, and they, they, they keep messing up. Uh, they, they sin the power of Babel, like it reaches its pinnacle, spiritually and literally, uh, of this failure and sin and rebellion uh, to be God's agents, his, his representatives, um, reflecting his, his goodness. So, you know, you, you get to the Tower of Babel, and, and maybe it's been a while since you remember that, but God's people, you know, were made to fill the earth and subdue it and, and, and model him, but Instead, the people at Babel decided, no, we just want to come together, and, and you can even just look back at chapter 11, verse 4. Here's their heart. They say, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth, which you can see that's deliberate, you know, premeditated rebellion. Uh, we don't want to spread out, multiply, and fill the earth. Uh, we want to centralize. We want to stay together, and we want to make a name for ourselves. We don't want to make a name, uh, make God's name great. So when you turn the page to Genesis 12, what's happening is that God is starting over with a new man, a new woman, a new humanity through Abram and Sarai, and he renews his covenant with humanity through this couple. And they're as old as the hills. They both got, you know, dog-eared, stained, foldy, papery, falling apart AARP cards. They're, they're so old. Uh, and God promises them a kid, and they're like, come on, that's crazy. And Sarah laughs, and, uh, and, and then it's this miraculous birth, kind of hint, hint. Uh, miraculous birth coming where God's going to save his people. Uh, and start a new humanity. So anyway, the people at Babel didn't want to leave their country. They didn't want to scatter. They wanted to stay. They rebelled. They failed. They sinned. God calls Abram to leave his country, which he does. He faithfully follows God. And God promises to make Abram's name great. Surprise. You know, Babel wanted to do it in their own strength, and he builds a great nation from Abram. Uh, you see the fulfillment of that. The New Testament authors reflect on that. Hebrews 11 says that therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. God fulfilled his promise to make a great nation out of Abram, um, out of what, the man who would be called Abraham. So God turned Abram, which means exalted father, into Abraham, which means the, the father of many, and fulfills his promise to him in verse 3 where he says, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so, through the miraculous birth of Isaac, uh, Abraham and Sarah's family grows into a tribe. And then that tribe grows into a nation. And that tribe, you know, that nation became, became commissioned by God to bless the nations. And I think the question that we should ask at this point is, well, how is that supposed to happen? What's God's plan for Abraham's descendants, this nation that's going to come from Abraham and Sarah? Uh, how are they going to bless the nations? Um, skip ahead to the next book of the Bible in Exodus, and you see they're now a nation. 
and they've been delivered out of Egypt and at the base of Mount Sinai, and God's renewing his covenant with them through Moses this time. And he says, now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. You're going to be in that unique and special of a relationship with me. You're going to be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So I'm going to just give you some theological shorthand, some categories that I think are going to help us answer this question. And Exodus 19 gives us a great insight into that. They're going to be prophets to the nations. And they're going to be priests to the nations. And they're going to be kings to the nations. And so they're going to be giving God's good, true word to the rest of the world. They're going to be bringing God's great grace to all the neighboring nations who you know, would come and experience the mercy of God you know, through atonement, through sacrifice, through forgiveness of sins. And they're going to experience and submit to God's righteous rule as they hear his truth and his word and they go, yes, okay, this is how we will flourish by living the way that God's designed us to. And that's really how this nation would bless all the other nations. So Isaiah 56 gives us a window into how this would happen. And the foreigners, those other nations, who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, these foreigners I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. That's his design, is that this nation, Abraham's descendants, Israel, would, would then be prophets and priests and kings to the nations around them, and that those people would then come in and be given joy in God's presence, this picture of being in this house of prayer, that they would join themselves to the Lord by being joined to his people. And they would then become his treasured possession. God would set his affection and attention on them, and they would have this special relationship with him. So here's what this looks like. Uh, some of you, maybe a few of you, maybe one or two of you, probably went out and did a little bit of shopping on Friday. I'm just serious cash on Friday. Uh, the estimates are that the average consumer will spend how much this holiday season? $1,000. $1,000. Spending on racking up your debt <laughs> in order to tell your loved ones how much you love them. Uh, isn't it great? Uh, so, so we were all out shopping on uh, Black Friday, or maybe you were home in your, in your stocking feet pajamas online doing your shopping. But, but the point of that is this. You're, you're spending money to buy these gifts to give to people, your friends and your family, who you're in a close relationship with. And you love them. And there's a bond there. There's a promise. There's, there's just this intensity of relationship that's unlike your other relationships. It doesn't mean that you don't love the other people in your life, you know, your neighbors and coworkers and classmates and so on. We're called to love everybody. 
we have a special bond with our family. And there's a special intimacy with close friends, and you want to give gifts to them because you're enjoying celebrating, manifesting that unique relationship, that unique covenant, if we call it that. It's a picture of God's unique, special relationship with his people. He says, out of all the people's on this earth, I have a special relationship with my people who were joined to me and were called by my name, and I love them, and I'm going to show them my blessings. And this is this picture of, you know, some of the prophets called it being the apple of God's eye. And who wouldn't want that? Who, who doesn't want that? Who, would, who in their right mind would reject the opportunity to be called by God the apple of his eye for the Lord to say about us you are my treasured possession to everybody who comes everybody who calls on him they can come and be sheltered under his wings protected and they were just making the same foolish choice that the people at Babel did rejecting God's plan rejecting his goodness rejecting his blessings and they they're cursing themselves Sadly, you know, it looks like we're off to this great restart, you know, hit the restart button or whatever. I wish I could say things went great for Abraham, but he, he was a mixed bag. His life was full of inconsistencies and errors. Uh, he, well, let's just say he, he sinned, he rebelled, and he failed, just, just like the people at Babel did. The difference with Abraham, though, is he believed. And, and he brought his inconsistencies and his sins and his failures to God for forgiveness. But as you look at Abraham's descendants and, and the rest of the Old Testament, it, it, if, you know, just as people, this nation just continues to sin, they continue to rebel, they continue to fail. And by the time you get to the end of the Old Testament, it's like you're back at Genesis 11 again. And you're wondering, well, where's the blessing? Israel is supposed to be blessed by God and, and be a blessing to the nations. And if anything, they, 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 they look defeated. Uh, they, they look forlorn. They look faithless. They look cursed. We're back at Genesis 11. And then God turns the page. And you get to Matthew chapter 1. And you get to the lineage of Jesus, this miracle baby born to Joseph and Mary, and this calling on Christ. And I want to just look again at Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, and see that God's call to Abraham is really just a template uh, for the real calling that's on Jesus's life. And and we're just going to substitute the name. So look again at verse 1 in chapter 12. And I'm just going to switch out Abram's name with Jesus. And your kindred and your father's house, the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Just like Abram, Jesus left his father's house, his homeland, 
as we're about to sing. You know, he left sapphire paved courts for stable floor. He left thrones and inhabited a manger. And he was a foreigner, and, you know, like an alien, wandering. And God's purpose for Jesus was to make his name great. And you definitely see that. You know, Paul would celebrate how at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that his name is the great name. He is Lord of Lords and, and King of Kings. And Psalm 2 speaks to this, that I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession, and blessed are all who take refuge in Jesus. So Jesus is the full plan of God's design to establish a people and a nation that would be blessed and that would bring blessing. So those who bless Jesus are welcomed and blessed forever, and those who dishonor Jesus are cut off. Indeed, they're cursed forever. So just like how Abraham came after Babel, God turned the page on humanity's sinful situation with Abraham, he does it again with Jesus, and God's plan to bless the nations would not fail. Despite Israel's failure, despite Abraham's failure, despite humanity's failure, it's not going to fail because Jesus would succeed. And through Jesus, this new nation would be established, a new people, a new generation that would in turn bless the nations. And so, and he's made us both one, meaning the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people, uh, the Gentiles. He's made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. And here's the point, that he might create in himself one new man, one new humanity, one new nation uh, in place of the two. You see how in Jesus there's this new nation, the promise is fulfilled to Abraham. And this new people, this new humanity, a new creation. And so now Jesus becomes the king of blessing, the king of that community, the king of that nation, that kingdom, where in Jesus we're blessed He's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is how Paul begins his letter to the Ephesians. In Christ, he has blessed us in the spiritual places with every blessing, every spiritual blessing uh, in Christ. And that's very, you know, religious speak. It sounds very Christian-y to say those things. Let's break it down using the same categories we did before, prophet, priest, and king. Israel was supposed to be a prophets and priests and kings to the nations. Well, Jesus is the true prophet, the true priest, the true king. Everybody needs a prophet. Because we all need truth. We all need objectivity. We all need to know that these poinsettias are poisonous to your cat. You know, if you don't know that, your cat is in jeopardy. And we all need to know that your turkey on Thursday needed to get to 165 degrees or you're going to be serving raw poultry to your loved ones, which is why these things come in so handy. We all need a little bit of objectivity in our lives. We need truth. This thermometer is like a safe to cook, and I will not give salmonella poisoning to my family. Yay! We can all rejoice. 
or the, the, the truth, the good, gracious truth that comes to me you know, by virtue of something external to me. I can stick that bird in the oven and 30 minutes later, that skin can start to get that brown color. I even put bacon over it. The bacon can start to you know, crisp a little bit. And I think, hey, that looks great. Hey, everybody, guess what? The, the turkey's done. I know it's only been a half an hour, but who's hungry? Who wants, you know, and then you, you know, we're not going to finish that story. It's disgusting. But we need prophets because we need truth. We need objectivity. It's, we can't just simply rely on our fee-fees, you know, and just kind of float through life. So uh, we also need priests. We need the priest. We all need to know we are forgiven. We all need mercy. We need to know where to go with our shame and our guilt for giving our family salmonella poisoning when we choose to reject what's objective. And it's, it's fine to say, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to forgive myself for you know, giving my family food poisoning. Great, good, you got over it. What about everybody else you made sick when they come home from the hospital? Have they forgiven you? Forgiveness comes from outside. And that's why we need priests. We need the priest who can declare that we are forgiven, who, based on his life and death and resurrection by being a sin substitute, dying on the cross to take sin's judgment off of us and to take it on himself and then to rise again from the dead to prove that he satisfied divine cosmic justice. And he rose again, meaning it was paid. It's done. declare to us our sins are forgiven. That's the power of a priest, the priest, who based on his indestructible life, he was not only the priest, he was the sacrifice, the lamb itself. And and he accomplished our salvation. And, and he's the true king, right? Everybody needs a place, an environment, a kingdom where we can flourish, where we can grow, we can be the men, women, and kids that we were made to be. And that happens when Jesus is bringing his will and his way into our lives. When we align to the best of our ability. Nobody's perfect. We, we fail. We, sin, we continue to sin and we continue to ask for forgiveness and grace. But sanctification means that we are growing in Christ's likeness. We are growing in consistency with his kingdom and that's when we flourish. When we say no to the world and yes to Jesus. So Jesus is the prophet and the priest and king who never rebelled who never failed, who never sinned. He always loved, and he's who humanity was meant to be. And the remarkable blessing that he provides us is that he gives us what we don't deserve by taking what he didn't deserve. He took our curse so that we could receive his blessing. We stuck it on the wall back there. It's here every single Sunday from Galatians 3 where Paul quotes from Genesis 12, uh, that the blessing given to Abraham would be given to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through him. And that happened because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that means that we who are in Jesus are called along with Jesus. Um, you know, Peter puts it this way. 
that you, the church, uh, Jesus' followers, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Where have we heard that before? Back in Exodus 19. A people for his own possession, his treasured possession, darkness into his marvelous light. And so we see that repetition of God's pattern of calling on Abraham's life when we think about our own calling. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. God is calling us to leave this world and its sinful desires in order to embrace our new heavenly home. Um, The New Testament word literally for the church is the called out ones, the ecclesia. So we're the called out ones called to leave our, you know, sinful home and, and embrace a heavenly one. And through the gospel, we get this name, this descriptor, we're called Christians. And I know we throw that around all the time, but think about that. God delights to refer to us with the name that is above all names. The great name that you and I bear when we adopt the name Christian. We say, I'm going to follow Christ. We are called by that great name ourselves, and we get that blessing. And those who bless us are blessed by God, and those who curse us are cursing God's representatives because we're in Christ. John puts it this way, or Jesus puts it this way in John 13, that whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So those who are of faith are the sons and daughters of Abraham, Paul says in Galatians. That when we are believing in Jesus, we are becoming that new nation that that he promised Abraham, that he fulfilled in Christ. And then he commissions us to be this blessing to the nations. So our, I know our lives, you know, are inconsistent. I know we're still full of sin, you know, in some respects. You know, we can resemble very much the lives of people at Babel and Abraham on his worst days. But The difference is, are we trusting in Jesus? Are we looking to him to be leading us to new life, to growth and grace? We don't deserve the blessing of God, but Jesus gives it to us anyway. And Thanksgiving and Christmas are these great twofold reminders. On the one hand, give thanks for all of these blessings that we have from the one who loves us, who sets his seal on us, who calls us his treasured possession who takes good care of his kids. And the greatest blessing of all is proof in that stable, in that manger, you know, when this baby came into the world and changed the world. And we go out as prophets and priests and kings announcing that, you know, these blessings are real. They're what's true. And our neighbors and the nations need to hear about Jesus, the one who gave himself for us so that we could be the recipients of this glory and this grace. And we are priests to one another. We remember the one who forgave our sins in order to forgive others who sin against us, in order to ask forgiveness when we know that we have sinned because we have been declared righteous in Christ. We don't have to fake it anymore. We don't have to pretend. And we can admit that our need for a priest And then he sends us out as kings to remember the reason that God made us, right? When we we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, um, 
please don't pray that and just imagine that God's going to do that through somebody else. Yes, we're enlisting all kinds of resources for his will to be done and his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, but, but you and I are those resources. We're a part of that. Whether we're feeding the hungry or helping you know, those who are in need this, uh, this Christmas season or just, just demonstrating what goodness and truth and, and, and glory and grace and generosity look like as we go about our lives. Remember how blessed we are, and we will be a blessing. Focus on all things good and all things beautiful and all things true, even in the small, not to mention the great, who give thanks for it and discover joy even in the here and now. They are the change agents who bring fullest light to all the world. Let me pray for us. Father, we give you thanks for your grace, your truth, and for your rule. Lord, we pray that you would conform us more and more into your people, into your kingdom. Uh, you know our faults. You know our sins and the places where we are inconsistent. But we also know your grace. And we pray that you would forgive us and continue to shape us and change us to be the, the people, this new new nation that you are calling into this world to bless the world so that the world can see who you are and get an accurate picture of your goodness and your glory. Lord, would you do that in us and through us? And we pray in particular for some of our families and for that, that mercy and that work in their, their ministry.